Now joining us here in the Freak Nation, his name is Don the Snake Perdome. He's got a new book out. It's called Don the Snake Perdome, My Life Beyond the 1320. It's incredible what this cat's achieved over the decades in drag racing on and off the track. And I got to imagine, Don, trying to encapsulate or condense decades of badassery in the NHRA was difficult for you. Basically wrapping up my whole life about uh, how I first started, where I came from, what part of the country on to becoming, you know, a four-time world champion. So it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good reading. I've, I've really uh, enjoyed working with Ilana Sherry that put the book together and uh, for CarTech uh, to put it out. Don the Snake Perdome joining us here in the Freak Nation. His new book, Don the Snake Perdome, My Life Beyond the 1320. Getting inside the head and the life of Don the Snake Perdome is uh, pretty fantastic to begin with. Did you have to lower every guard that you had in order to get down deep into telling the real story about Don Perdome? I really did. I really did because I know there's been people that's questions, but everything from my nationality to uh, what I eat for breakfast, and uh, I, uh, I, you know, I've got it all in the book. Uh, you know, the first few chapters of the book uh, really sets the the path out for the rest of the book. You know, because it takes me through my childhood and what I did and the struggles I had. You know, I mean, people see me at the races in this glamorous race car and all the shiny stuff and everything. But this journey is about what it took to get to that point. And it wasn't an easy trip. It wasn't an easy ride as a kid. And uh, growing up uh, was really nothing uh, to getting there. And I'm just hoping this book would encourage some some other uh, fellows and girls and stuff in racing and following their dreams. It cannot come out at a better time. This year, 2020, has been so challenging for so many people for so many different reasons. So then to yes. look at one of their heroes or, or a celebrity that maybe they don't, they don't even follow racing, but someone who made it in this world and how they came from little to big, it's, a, it's just incredible for them to see that, yes, we too can do this. No matter how bad things get, we got this. The snake got oh. it. I'm going to get it. Uh, so well said. Yeah, that is exactly right, you know, because some of them, people think maybe I was born with a gold spoon in my mouth and stuff, but it was entirely different than that. And uh, and that's what I, the book is do, does. It takes you on this ride, you know. It takes you on this this journey that, uh, that I've followed for all my life. And now I, at the end of all this, I just wanted to make sure I had it down in writing and, and um it's a good story, I, I really think. How many times did you want to give up in life? Because, you know, you're now at the at the end of this amazing life and everything looks like, like you said, it looks like it all was just perfect, but it wasn't. You fail forward. Everybody does. You make mistakes, learn from them and move forward. How many times did you want to give up and what was it that kept you going? Oh, well, Jeez. as you follow my journey through the book, there's plenty of times that I wanted to give up. And in 1986, I actually did give up. I quit. I, I was all burnt out and, uh, and I managed to build up the energy and come back, but I took a year off and, uh, and, uh, that's in the book too. And explaining uh, why I came back. And a lot of it had to do with Wally parks, the founder of NHRA and took me under his wing. And he was like a father to me. 
And uh, that's what I really needed in my life was uh, was a father, to be honest with you. And uh, and Wally was that person. So he's the one that really drove me and uh, kept me going, Wally Parks. Don the Snake Perdome joining us here in the Freak Nation, the new book, Don the Snake Perdome, My Life Beyond the 1320. Talk a little bit about that. And that's the difficult part about interviewing someone about their autobiography is you don't want to give away too much because you want people to read the damn book. But look, man, you came from a broken home issues in the San Fernando Valley in Southern California. That's when, right. when you say you needed a father figure to share with the Freak Nation the difficulties as a as a teenager and preteen growing up in the San Fernando Valley. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people that came up the same way that I did, you know, with, uh, alcohol in the family and tore the family apart and didn't know when the, where we were going to live and didn't know the next, next meal we were going to have, you know, and dealing with, uh, alcoholism in the family. It, uh, yeah, it was a it was a hell of a journey to uh, to get through all that, but I just thought I would lay it out in the book, and uh, and I and I'm sure I'm sure there's a well, I know there's a, thousands millions of people that came up the same way, and like I say, I I, I think it's uh, good reading, and it's something that um, that they can relate to. Snake, take us to the beginning, Southern California, San Fernando Valley, city of San Fernando difficult upbringing when did you decide i want to be a professional drag racer travel all over the world and be a world champion well that that really uh that happened when i was about 18 years old i got involved in a car club up until that time i was just a kid just had no i had ambition but through through my lack of education which is in the book and all that, I didn't think I stood much of a chance, but I got hooked up with a car club. And believe it or not, people might laugh, say a car club, but this club changed my mind. It had a group of people. Uh, Tom Ivel was one of them in the club, and they're the ones that had the dragster. They had a club dragster, and I got to drive that car, and it was the first thing in my life that I really did. I did a good job, and I was complimented by it. It was and uh, and that, and that's really how it started. It was uh, with this little gas dragster, and I belonged to the Road Kings, and that was like a new family for me. I, I found this family of guys that had something in common, so it was a real team to go to the races and so on. And without that, without finding the Road Kings, the Burbank, the car club, I don't know what the hell would happen to me, to be honest with you. You talk about the Road Kings, the camaraderie, driving that rail. What was it that turned the light on? Was it just driving the rail, the friendships, the camaraderie, or what you could learn, or what was it? That's right. All the above. Yeah, you can learn from them, and it's camaraderie. And, uh, and, and, you, and you need that, and I needed that in my life. And there's a lot of young kids and a lot of young folks, gals, out there that needs that same thing. And, and my advice to them is try to find a club, a, a group of guys, a, a workshop or whatever you can to get your, your head into to something and, uh, and try to make a career out of it. You know, and I didn't have any idea I'd be really been able to make a living doing drag racing. When I started, uh, we were racing for uh, trophies and there was, there was no money in it. 
So the, I think the key thing is, though, I fell in love with it. And, you know, if you love something and you work hard enough about it, at it you know, the money will come later. It's not, you're not going to see it right then, but if you try hard enough and keep working towards it, the money just comes, you know, and now I'm, you know, I was able to retire from the sport and end up with a couple of bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an, another great message for today. Just if you love something, push, 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 and the money will eventually come. Don the Snake yep. Perdome joining us here in the Freak Nation. Just an incredible book out right now. Makes an awesome stocking stuffer. Get it for the holidays. We'll give you all the information at the end of this interview. But I want to talk, you, you, you mentioned earlier in this interview about how people would question your nationality. And yeah. you, you do reference that several times in this book and how the, the camaraderie, the bond between you and Roland Leon because of that very specific questioning and how you guys met in Hawaii. That's another great story. Can you give us a little bit of insight to that as well? Well, when I, when I, I met Roland and uh, Leong in, uh, in Hawaii. Uh, we went over there to run the Greer Black Perdone car, and uh, Roland was a customer of Keith Black's, who was a really famous engine builder. And he's a Chinese-Hawaiian, and here I am with dark skin, and uh, half the people in Hawaii thought I was uh, one of them, you know? So, <laughs> so uh, but anyhow, it just it just revolved into him and I having this, this tight friendship, and we're both a little different looking. But uh, we raced around the country, and there was a lot of prejudice out there. You know, Roland and I go into a cafeteria to eat or something back in the early days. You know, we're talking, we're talking in the 60s. You know, the world was a lot different place back in the 60s and 70s and the 50s even than it is today. You know, for guys, guys like me didn't really get a break back in those days, except for I was able to work my way through it, and I got a break, and I just buried myself into it well i think it was the 60s as well i could be a decade off but the the nickname snake this also shocked me you didn't like it at first no no i didn't i didn't like it at first but i was i was young and um and you know thanks why would someone call me that well i was quick off the start line and winning a lot of races and it, it was just the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, it's one of those things that you didn't like it at first. You didn't like someone calling you a snake. But after a while, I thought, Jesus, this is this is an opportunity here. And Tom McEwen, another great racer, came along. And he, he picked up the nickname Mongoose. And we teamed up together. And the, the fans wanted to see the snake and the Mongoose race together. And then we went to Mattel Toy Company, which was our huge break. And this is like 1970. We went to Mattel Toy Company and put a deal together with them for the Hot Wheels sets of Snake of the Mongoose. And I'm sure some of your listeners have probably played with our toys in the past. But we're still, or I'm still involved with, um, with Mattel. We still do work for them. And unfortunately, we lost Mongoose here a few years ago. But uh, and that's a shame because I miss that guy. More with Don the Snake Perdome, his new book, Don the Snake Perdome, My Life, Beyond the 1320. You're telling me that you guys went to Mattel, Hot Wheels, and, and presented to them the idea versus them coming to you? Exactly. That's exactly right. And that was all Tom the Mongoose McEwen. That was all his – it was his thoughts. It was his, it was his idea to go to Mattel – 
Uh, he, his mother, uh, they had a law firm, and they did some work for Mattel, so we had an in there. And so Tom went over there one day and talked to him, and they said, hey, we'll get the snake guy and bring him back here. So the, two days later, we went back to Mattel Toy Company, and they had drawings and everything of how these Hot Wheel cars are going to look. I mean, that, that's, that's how much they liked it. And, and the, it was the rivalry, you know, that, that between the two of us in the sport for like 50 years, it was that rivalry that people wanted to see the snake and the mongoose race together. So as this became bigger and bigger of a promotion, I mean, how many times did you pinch yourself? That had to have seemed so surreal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah, we really did. But, you know, honestly... So we were so busy racing, and I was the racer. Tom was more of the promoter guy, and uh, we we just were really busy running the NHRA national events and promoting it and promoting our sponsor at Mattel. So that's how that went. Don, did you guys work up a fictitious rivalry outside of the cockpit? Like, hey, man, you come at me with no. this comment. I'm going to come at you with this comment. Did you guys ever come up with something like that? Yeah, we we would a little bit, but one thing one thing for damn sure that we never did is throw a race like you win this one or I'll win this one. When we raced and we went into a drag strip, man, we we wanted to leave them breathless when we left the track, you know, because we we burned those would we'd run our engines so hard we'd burn them to the ground trying to beat each other, and it was it was a it was things that the fans wanted to see the snake win or they wanted to see the mongoose win and. But I always, uh, for some reason or other, I seemed like I came out ahead on the winning side, which was great. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Can you, uh, it was decades ago, but can you rem- recall or remember the the fandom that came along with that to the drag strip, to p- to kids bringing their little drag cars, their funny cars? Cause I, you're, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. one of them, man. I have the Hot Wheels set, the dragsters. <laughs> I've got all that. Can you Can you recall I- that? Oh yeah, I still have guys come up to me with and with the tattoo on their arm of the Hot Wheel car, or the snake car, or they got the mongoose. We had these two brothers that one was had a big tattoo on him was a snake, and the other one was the mongoose. You know, and so that that happened all the time. You know, we we people they went crazy for for the cars. I mean, it was it was in the days though. You know, the sixties and seventies and the and the, the drag racing was a whole different excitement than it is in today's world. You know, I mean, it's so cookie cutter today. Back then, it was you know, that the fans could come stand right next to you. And could I used to get a thrill out of packing my parachute and having the spectators help you, you know, and help you change the oil in your car and help you push your car around. And I really think that's why Tom and I still stayed popular in the sport is because we went to all these little drag strips around the country and barnstormed, I mean, everywhere from the East Coast to the West Coast, and we we picked up a following. You know, it's like a guy hitting a, making a hit record, and you go to concerts, and that's where your fans are at, you know, so we, we, we gathered up a lot of fans, and I get People come up to me today and say, hey, I saw you at Islip, New York in 1968, you know, and you're so we left that we left a hell of a memory to uh, to a fan, you know. Don the Snake Prudhomme is in the Speed Freaks Pits, his book, My Life Beyond the 1320. 
great stocking stuffer for the holidays. Let's go back to when you were touring with the Mongoose and the Mongoose fans came up and said some things that you might not have liked. How'd you keep your sanity through all of that? Well, it didn't affect me because I we go out on the drag strip and we'd settle it out there, you know, but we they talk trash to us all the time, or Tom and I talk a lot of trash, but when we got in those cars, buddy, we uh, we wanted to beat each other, and and I think that's what really kept our thing going is because, uh, you know, we'd set track records and just do everything instead of just going in there and smoking the tires and putting on a show. We went in there to win races, and uh, and it, it's built a lot of fans and base for us. Well, before we get into where people can get this book, you did reference how different drag racing was then versus now. It's oh, yeah. safety is a big reason why things are so different, but yeah, the photos in this book are second to none and just seeing how the cars have evolved through the time. Thank you for providing yeah. that as well. Yeah, well, it was a great collection of pictures. It took two years to put the book together, but I started out from my kids when I was uh, in, in school when I first started school and my struggles through school. I had a lot of struggles, which I'm sure that the readers will, uh, there's a lot of readers out there that will uh, understand their struggles. They had too. Well, I had the same struggles and I wasn't the guy you would pick out of the class and think this guy's going to be a world champion someday. <laughs> I wasn't that guy, but fortunately I end up being that guy. Don the snake Prudhomme, if you didn't have the connection with hot wheels and Mattel, you think we'd be talking to each other right now? I think so. I think so, because I had that burning desire, man. You know, there was just nothing going to keep me from success. I mean, when I, and you've lived through my childhood, and once I got my teeth into something like this drag racing, and I was able to make a living, able to make a living going up and down the road racing the car, uh, man, that that's... <laughs> That's an awfully good story, you know? <laughs> and for people who are just, they're still kind of thinking, okay, should I get this book? Yes. The answer is yes. But what I really love about it is that there's F-bombs. There's S-bombs. It's like you yeah. and I are sitting there having a beer together, and I'm reading this, but I feel like you're sitting right next to me, and we're just chillaxing together. It's amazing. Well, that's that's to do with Elami Sherry, the girl that wrote the book, and and we just work so well together. And yeah, there's f bombs there, and there's uh, there's quite a few of them actually. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm telling her when I'm telling her the stories is exactly the way it is in the book. It's not like some writer that's going to change it all around and everything. But that's just how I talk, and the way I talk is the way it is in the book. Don Prudhomme, you're one of the legends in drag racing, one of the only names in motorsports that transcends the motorsports world. People know the snake, but you're a huge Formula One fan. We've talked about it before. Would you given up all that you learned and all that you've earned in drag racing to win a Formula One championship? Who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, let me let me think for a minute. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe maybe I'd like to be a Lewis Hamilton right now. That wouldn't be a bad uh, gig to have. Well, but but Don, yeah, well, Formula One's the, the excellent. I went over there in '76 in uh, Europe and uh, met Nicky Lauda, and he took me for a ride around the ra racetrack in a in a Ferrari street car and. Uh, uh, I fell in love with open wheel racing and I'm great friends of Mario Andretti's and, you know, and 
Foyts and all those guys. Well, this is one thing that's not lost on me because growing up in Dallas, the two things that I could latch onto with a kid as a kid was supercross, flat track, motocross, and drag racing at Green Valley International Speedway, Dallas International Speedway. Those are the two. Those are the two sports that I was able to gravitate towards because they came through once or twice a year. So, needless right. to say, I'm partial to both of those. And it's not lost on me, and it's not lost on people who follow drag racing, the technological madness to stick those back wheels to concrete <laughs> for a freaking quarter mile at over 300 miles an hour. Don't, don't yes. tell me that the technology isn't, that, isn't lost on you compared to the technology in Formula One. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, Formula One's done a hell of a job. I mean, that, that accident they had the other day, for Christ's sakes, uh, you know, that uh, to come out of that, that, that accident alive was, uh, was pretty amazing. I'll give you that, but I just, I'm such a fan of drag racing, and to be able to, you, you won't find a Formula One driver, a sprint car driver, a NASCAR driver coming over and running top fuel, but you will see a top fuel driver go run those other cars, because running top fuel with 10,000 horsepower will scare the balls off of the biggest bald men and women sometimes. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. Do you, understand, you. do you understand my point of just really how there's a tough measurement for what you and Amato and Bernstein and the Greek and Big Daddy and Shirley did in the day? No, and it's, you know, the thing about drag racing, though, it's, the beauty of it is that, you know, uh, women, guys, Young guys, old guys, Chris Caramassini's, whoever they are, they can still do this thing. And it's an addicting sport. I hate to say it, but once you're a hot rodder and once you're a drag racer, man, you know, you, you don't want to do anything else. I mean, they, they, uh, they're still pouring out to the track, you know, and they got tons of drag racers that are listening to your show and they know the feeling, they know what it's like, you know, and it's, it's a big deal to them. You know, it's their life. And Don, you mentioned men, women, young men, mm -hmm. people of color. That's one mm -hmm. thing that the NHRA has done very well over the Better decades. Better than anybody. Was the, in, the inclusiveness of everyone, regardless of yeah. their race, their gender, their preference. They welcome all people. Yes. Yes. That is so true you're right on and that's that's the beauty of it you know i mean a young lady uh surely broke the mold you know for for that but i mean you got leah pritchett out there and you know some young ladies uh Brittany force awfully good drivers you know and they wouldn't have had that opportunity you know when i first started but they certainly have it now Don Prudhomme, drag racing, will have to answer this at some point. Let's talk about Erica Ender. She keeps winning championships. I think it's three now in pro stock, but she can't get a full-time sponsor. Nice-looking woman, smart, knows the sport, knows life. She's got a lot of history in the media world with Disney. Why can't she get sponsors? She screams, support me. I can sell your product. Yes, it does. Yeah, she is uh, exceptional. You know, the way she leaves the starting line and what she's doing, uh, she's an amazing woman. And as far as sponsors go, uh, you know, my personal opinion is that the pro stock category is just not 
the fuel category, uh-huh. where it's, it's it's a little easier to go to a company and talk to them about running cars that could win the top prize of the day. You know, the pro stock is, uh, you know, there's funny cars and top fuel, then pro stock. And uh, the, the, the first two categories, I believe, are the ones that get the most exposure on TV. And I think that's a real help. And I think that hurts her in, uh, in pro stock, you know, but, uh, but they love pro stock. I mean, there's, there's racers that that's, that's all they care about, but it's still hard to get sponsorship. Don, whose ass did you want to kick more Joe Amato or Kenny Bernstein when you were running against those guys? Both of them, both <laughs> of them. I, I wanted to kick everybody's ass, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the way I looked at it. But, Oh, I, I would probably say Joe Amato was a tough guy. Uh, he was a good racer, but Garlitz mainly. Don Garlitz was the guy. To beat Garlitz, uh, that means you, you beat the best. Shop, or excuse me, snakeracinggear.com. I'll say it again, snakeracinggear.com. There's several places. Yes, you can go to Amazon, but you really want to go to snakeracinggear.com because, people, this book is perfect for the holidays, birthdays, holidays, whatever. Just get this. It's, it's this conversation that we've just had here for two segments. This is the book in so many hundreds of pages. Yeah. And I, and I will sign each and every book. When someone orders a book, I'll have my signature on it. And if they want their personal name put on it too, like Jerry or Harry or Gladys or whatever, uh, I do that too. (laughs) Okay then. (laughs) Well, Don, we appreciate you paving the way for many, many people to enjoy their, their lives at this point. And it's a, it's a fantastic read, buddy. It's, it's well worth sitting down for the hours to get behind the scenes of the snake. Thank you. I'm real proud of it, Kenny. I'm I'm really proud of the way it came out. And, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 an eye opener. I uh, the first chapter. Or so when people read that, they I think they it's hard to put the book down from what they tell me. I I haven't gotten through the entire book, but is there a story in that book? You told this story on the air with us many years ago about someone pulling out a twenty two out of their uh, sock out of their shoe. Is that story in there? Well, the, we we had a knife. I had a knife. With, uh, <laughs> I was racing down in. Uh, in Green Valley, Texas, in a car by the name of J.L. Hunt, guy was running the car, and uh, he was a tough son of a bitch, man. And he uh, he uh, pulled a knife out of his boot at the end of the track because I beat him. And he said, "Let's do this again." I said, "I don't, don't want to do it again." And a bunch of these uh, big Texan boys kind of gathered around us, and we went and raced him again. But they were they were tough guys. But that's how it was back in the '60s and stuff. You know, that was. You know, there was fights in the pits and uh, all kinds of stuff. I'm glad you didn't go to Formula One. You kicked ass in the NHRA, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks. Don, we appreciate you, man. Happy holidays to you and your family, buddy. Same to you, and thanks thanks for everything. Enjoy your show. Always keep up the good work, and uh, thanks for helping. Don the Snake Perdome here in the Freak Nation.